Welcome back, Bobby. Today I want to talk about something that people don't think about much before they get into a project sometimes, but it's something that needs to be thought about ahead of time. How much research are you doing when you're doing your comic book project? I mean, what I mean about this is that if you're doing a contemporary story, maybe not so much, but if you're doing historic fiction or if part of your story relates to something that happened earlier, okay, mm-hmm. how much, okay, it's too much. I've seen things that get bogged down in history and research and detail and lose the fun. Right. On the other hand, if there's no research at all, it can look pretty lame. Yeah. Um, there again, I think it probably depends on the piece, don't you think? I mean, if you're doing a Western, um, you want some accuracy in it, um, especially if you're using real locations. You know, if you're referring to real location or real events, you don't want some accuracy in it. Well, it's um, funny. Uh, Westerns were incredibly popular in Hollywood in the 40s, 50s, 60s, <laughs> and they didn't do a lot of research. Okay. No, they sort of made it up on the fly. They kind of made it up as they went along. Okay. Uh-huh. You know, and then the old of... pulp magazines that sort of did the same thing. Um, yeah, they uh, they sort of made it up on the fly, too, I think. But actually, a lot of the original, what they called Penny Dreadfuls, back in the 1880s, who were talking about real people from the Old West, they made most of it up. Okay, Their, their stories had little to do with what was actually going on in the West. Okay, but but they made... there was a core kernel of truth there that people found fascinating. Right, they sort of made the history, or they made the legends, let's put it that way. Okay, what's the saying, when the legend becomes... Bigger than the man, print the legend. Exactly. Yes. Yes. Um, you well, know, it's sort of funny because, well, we know some people. You know, we know Bo Smith. He created Wyona Herb. And, um, you know, there are some base concept when you say that name. And um, Wyatt Earp comes to mind, you know. Not that, you know, the character Wyatt Earp sort of plays within the context of the series. But yeah, very little. I mean, it's got more the demons and the and everything that's going on um, in the but, series. But you get but he that takes that supernatural West. element and kind of grounds it in the that legends of the old West. Okay, right, right. So yes, he takes something did. that's purely fanciful and makes it somehow more believable. Yes, and and I think it sort of gives a series like that a, a rock, a, a foundation. To, to launch from so i think that's a good thing um you know as far as doing straight out historical comics to me they're about the most boring ones you can do you know if all you're doing is repeating what, what we already learned fascinating there's so many good stories there no, come on bill but it's are you telling them in a exciting storytelling fashion or are you listing a series of facts? That's where the difference. That's the difference. Are you pulling me through a character and a short and a story that involves my have this going on around it? Or are you just telling me point, 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 point? You know, it's sort of like, man, dry. Right. But um, I know one challenge I've had. I'm right. I'm working on um, Paradox Wars chapter two. And it opens up with the six page scenes in the late 20s, early 30s and so it's a, a city 
and it's a street. Well, so well yes, you, when you're doing time travel stories. Yes, yes, you got to do this. You don't so, have you to know, become an expert in just one time period. It can be, then you got to find photo reference and everything, you know, for that time. So, you know, we got cars and store windows and, and people in outfits. The funny thing is I'm working with an artist over in the Philippines. <laughs> so... I've got to be really, I got to dig up lots of reference materials. And the cool thing is that we have the internet. He has the internet. So, you know, we can just give links out and boom, 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 boom. Hey, right, check this out, check this out, check this out. We did that already with some uh, character designs that I wanted a certain dinosaur and I wanted a certain size of the dinosaur. Uh, these, these little dinosaurs are only about two and a half, three feet long. So I went in and grabbed a bunch of Wikipedia and different links for this dinosaur and added them to the description of the character. And that worked real well for that. So I'm sure the period piece will work out pretty well also. Well, luckily we do have the internet for to make research easier. But even to this day, I hear about British comic creators complaining about American artists drawing something in, in London going, London looks nothing like that. <laughs> It's not even close. Like, just do some basic research, people, you know? Right, right. And so, yeah, that verisimilitude, write that down, Bobby. That's a very important word, verisimilitude. We don't okay. spell that in Kentucky. How's that? No. <laughs> okay. It makes it sound look real, okay, you know? Okay. So the, if sneaking some of that in can help to ground your work, okay? But bogging down if, you know... If you're too much of your time is being taken in your 1930s research, okay, mm -hmm. then mm -hmm. you can lose track of the story and you can also change your story like, well, I'm going to put in this and this and this. And but what you're putting in becomes fascinating to you because you just did all the research. Right. But your reader doesn't really care. Okay. Right. Right. And uh -huh. my wife reads a lot of um, historic fiction, you know, detective stories set in like, 1907 or the 1930s or 40s uh -huh. and when those authors throw in little tidbits here and there of just little ways that people used to say something that's not normal now okay it's fun but they have to be careful not to overwhelm you with it right yep it, and then you can... just feel like you feel like you're just you're lost in a foreign world if it's constantly on every page okay and you're going to get uncomfortable but just a little bit here and there can be a lot right. of fun. Yeah, well, it's sort of like um, where I'm writing Camelot Forever. And, you know, a lot of this takes place over in, you know, England and London and all over there. And how much of that do you use their slangs and how much do you just ignore? Um, to me, I just ignore a lot. Add a little bit through maybe a character or two. Um, I don't want to distract from the concept of the story. Let's put it that way. But True. Mm -hmm. But you also have to be careful that when you do try to put details in, you realize there's always someone who knows more than you do. Yes. And they're yes. going to call you on it. Every time. Well, that's why you just, Bob, you don't put random bear attacks yeah, in yeah. England. Yeah. Mm -hmm. If there's going to be a bear attack, there has to be a reason for, because they don't have wild bears in England. Right. Right. But if you but if you put that into your story of why there is a bear on the loose, then it works. Right. You know? it, it, so it's escape but, from a zoo or something. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. But those are the things you have to have more than one person look at. Okay. Right. So that you can catch you on something that might you know someone else is after it's published is going to go wait a minute that doesn't make any sense. Okay. You know. Well, I know one part of the story that 
I was writing, I had to figure out when cell phones actually came around. Not, I mean, this is all fiction. So and I feel, I feel like as long as I got it close, you know, well, common and, usage, yeah, yeah. So you know, I, I did research and and found the bag phones. If you if you remember the original car bag phones, they came out with it was these great big bulky bag things, and they and, were only in cars. Okay. Yes, yeah. So that was the, the earliest. Power. Yeah. yeah. So and you I, had to be really, really. That was a way to show that a character was super rich if they had a phone in their car. Yes. Yes. And then they got a little bit more mobile where they they'd had a huge battery, but it was like a shoulder pad backpack type thing. But it was a cell phone. Um, so, yeah, I, I did my because I wanted it. I knew the time period, but I had to figure out if I could include a cell phone into this conversation because money wasn't an option for this character as far as getting it. And uh, it worked out pretty well. But it was but sort if, of neat researching all that, too. It was fun figuring out when cell phones actually came around. And But if you're having a 14-year-old kid pull the cell phone out of their pocket, I mean, obviously no. not in 1932, okay? No, not in, no. not in 1972, but no. 82? No. 92? When was that line exactly. that that makes sense, okay? Yes, yes. And then pagers. Remember pagers? Oh, pagers. Yes. yes. I think at one point I was carrying two pagers, you know? So... <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I don't know. One for business, one for home or something. I don't know. I thought I needed to be in contact all the time. You got a message um, on pager number one to tell you to check the message from pager number two. two. Exactly. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's fun adding. I think it's cool adding those little things. Um, even though I, I personally write a lot of time travel. As I just said, I'm writing a series of novels that includes it some. And I'm writing a comic book series that's currently on Kickstarter that has a lot. Um, I think it's the little things that you add that are fun, but it doesn't drag you or the story down. And that's where it's important to get someone else to read over what you've done. Okay. You need yes. that feedback because you can be so proud of all of the research and detail you put in. And someone's got to be honestly tell you of like, you kind of lost track of the story on this page. Okay. Right. This is too much. I mean, just cut it back a little bit because you can bog down the flow of the story. And if you know, that is the mm. most important thing. Okay. If you take a two or three page, you know, comic book page detour to talk about cell phone usage. Okay. And mm -hmm. how wild, how prevalent it was in this year, people are going to like, do I really need to know this? Okay. Right. Or, you know, and then you don't have enough, your pacing is off. You don't have enough room to do something else that's character wise. Okay. Right. So that is a, it's an easy trap to fall into because while you doing it, you can find it totally fascinating because I spent six hours researching this. I'm not going to waste that time. Sometimes you went too far. Yeah. Yes. Uh, I've, I've, I've been there before. I think you've, asked me to pull back a few times or add a few things to some of this and that and some of the different projects that we've seen. Well, it just has a good idea to have someone else bring it up. Okay. And mm -hmm. if I say maybe too much or too little, you can argue back like, no, I think it's going to work and here's why. But you know, if you, you know, but sometimes you, you might like, well, I get what you're saying, Bill, but it doesn't mean that the other person is always right. You have to be able to fight for your own ideas. If you think if they really are well thought out, but sometimes you need to look at the other person's point of view and go, yeah, maybe I did go too far on, on that one, you know, and I can pull back and really not lose too much. But yeah, right. you do, you know, um, 
you've heard the saying, kill your darlings. I mean, every writer gets so involved with their own ideas that everyone's, every idea is so precious, right? but they're not all going to fit. Okay. Yep. So those carefully placed details that can be fun informing, but don't turn it into a treatise on whatever subject you happen to be coming up with. And if you do it once with cell phones in the story you're talking about, mm-hmm. are you going to, are you going to do it again with something else and something else until, you know, it yeah. just becomes right. Yeah, it just becomes you're tripping over all the details. Right. Yeah, I guess I can see that. Um, yeah, I, I just I, I don't. Yeah, it, it can really slow things down. Plug it down. I am one of the creativeness. I mean, when you spend three hours researching phones and periods and stuff like that, that's three hours. I didn't get to write. Right. So I was like, come on. Can I find so- a cell phone that was out then? Yeah, it's pretty close. Okay, that's good enough for me. Boom. Make it work. Well, like you're saying, you were talking about what the structure of your story needed. The mm-hmm. person was rich, okay? So it didn't have to be, it wasn't just a common teenager pulling a cell phone out of the pocket. Yeah, it was someone right. who could rich, who could afford cutting-edge technology. That worked for your story to tell that story. Right. So what works for your story is what you need to look at, okay? But historic fiction is very popular. There's, you know... um, and you're seeing a lot of more comics projects based on things in history, whether it's, you know, true historic fiction or not, they're using it as um, springboards. Okay. Right. Yeah. And I think you hit it right, right, right there. Springboards. There's a, so much out there that you can read and go, oh, I got something I can run that and then use it as a, a base for it and just go with it. If you have, See, the thing is having your own characters and your own story to use that from. I think as a big plus because well, just historical, I don't know. That's just me though. Well, like you say, having your own characters, the character mm-hmm. must come first. Okay. Right. And if you're just trying to do a history of blah, 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 that's better as a lecture. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's, that's not really a good storytelling technique, but look what, um, stranger things has done setting itself in the eighties. Right. Right. Could that story have been told in modern times? It could have, but I really liked a lot of stuff that by putting it in the eighties added to it. And you know? by by doing that, it made it fun. It made it nostalgic for some people. For people, you know, who are only in their twenties, don't remember anything like that. It's a nostalgia for something they never lived through, and right. still kind of find it fascinating because they know people older than them talking about these things and seeing them all put together. You know, but. It never lets the trappings of the '80s take over the storytelling. Right, right. So if you no, took no. that, if you took that exact those exact same plots, okay, and scripts, and just set it in another time period, it would work. If you oh. set it in modern day, the story would still work. Right. No, so I doing agree. that just gave it a layer of of more fun. Okay, it made it a lot more work for the production team. <laughs> yeah. But, again, it gave people just another level of enjoyment to it. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, I mean, it's nice, you know, they're hitting the highlights of of different things during that period. And there's so much that you can play with. I mean, you you know, I don't know, no spoilers, but, you know, the whole Russian thing. And uh, there's just so much stuff that they can pull in here and there and and play within it. But Yeah, it turns out that... if you, if for people, listeners who don't know, it turns out once upon a time you couldn't trust Russia. Wait yeah, a minute, that's 
Yeah. Wait a minute. That's like last week too, isn't it? Yeah, I believe what, so. What, what goes around comes around. So yeah. yeah exactly. But yeah, you know, it's. But again, um, Stranger Things attracted an audience who heard about the '80s nostalgia, and stayed for the storyline. Yes, I mean, I think it was cool seeing how malls were a big thing. You know, it's like what I remember our mall over here opened up in the you know late '70s, mid '70s, somewhere in there, and I guess it was a big thing because it had all these stores in one place. You know, so there's little things that they include within this that's like, wow, this is pretty cool. Oh, and D&D owes them so much money. Okay. Yeah, they do. Yes. D&D sales have skyrocketed, and so many people, it's because of that show. Okay, it got them like, what is this? Let me check into it. Okay. Right. And more people are playing it than have in years for, because of one show. All right. Right. But but also doing, just general doing historic research, can you can find ideas that can be springboards for you. Okay. Um, have you ever heard of the... Tunguska blast from Russia in the early 20th century. No, huh? At the large, large forested, forested area in um, Russia that was leveled, uh, the force of the blast was like a nuclear bomb. Wow! But this was before nuclear power, and there's no and there's no radiation in the area. Yeah. And scientists are still speculating of what could have caused it. The most logical idea is a um, meteorite strike oh, one okay. that, that one single meteorite strike could hit with that kind of force is perfectly mm-hmm. logical. Okay. Right. But okay. The, that very mysterious idea. So many different writers have come up with, Oh, but here's what really happened then. Okay. <laughs> no, it wasn't that at all. It was now you fill in the blank. You use your imagination Right. And tell your story. Now, that story doesn't have to be set in that time, but it could be a springboard for your modern day story. Okay. Oh, sure. And, uh, but by just grounding your modern day story to any historic fact, okay, can give it a little bit more of an edge of realism, even though you're completely making everything up, but it helps to ground your story just a little bit. Like, they're really, we don't really know if there were demons in the Old West, okay? Right. But right. it works well for Winona Earp and how that yes, story puts together, okay? And, you know, so research can be fun, okay? It can be tedious. You need to know where to find that balance yourself of what, where you can find. Now, the internet makes it so much easier. On the other hand, it gives you too much knowledge. Yeah, that's true. And that's definitely true. Just sometimes it can be too much, but it's also easy access. So I really, it's, I am so thankful for the internet. It's easy access, but it's, you can get lost down the rabbit hole. Yeah, yeah, you can. You can. You can spend a day searching cell phones. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and now you know so much more yes. about cell phone history. Uh-huh. And the companies that started them and the companies that bought them on top. Yeah, there's, there's a lot out there to find out. Bob, if you started bringing this up in random conversations, did you know? Yeah, I need to. Yeah. 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 You know, everybody knows about baseball and music. I can tell you about cell phones. History of cell phones. Yes. But now I, I think it can be a nice starting point. Um, I know I use it in, in the novels, you know, but, um, you know, and history doesn't always have to be true history either. 
How do you mean that? You can play upon a folklore or um, what's the words I'm looking for? You know, well, it's a, I'm, I'm using the whole concept of Camelot and King Arthur. Is it true? Mm, don't know. You know, there's legends. There's there's Legend, stories. There's, where do you where do history and legends history leave off and legends begin? Yeah. No one really knows. No, they don't. Um, we do know there's dark ages. You know, there was a dark time back then. So, um, you know, that's sort of a way to play off a story concept too. Is take a, take a, not rewrite what somebody's already created or redone, but to add to that concept. And you don't have to go that far back to be. We talked about legends of the old west. Okay, well, legends of thirties gangsters in Chicago. You know, stories mm-hmm. that that would become bigger than life. You know, and you know, and we're you can use like any historic period and say, well, here's what was really going on, but there may have been something more to what we know. Okay, and you can create your own legends out of whole cloth, really. Oh yeah, no doubt. So, so, research for comics, how much or how little? I would say it's really up to the project, wouldn't you? It's up to the project, and you have the two levels. You have the research for the writer and then the artist. Right. Now, the artist may wind up hating you <laughs> as the writer. Okay, like, you want me to draw what now? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm, I might be getting this from Joel. Who knows? Well, some artists love doing historic pieces, and... And doing, um, quote unquote, out of date clothing and, and doing that kind of detail. And some like, oh, I can't believe I have to put up with all this. Okay, why can't I just draw a man in, in a suit? You know, it's like, well, it's got to be this type of suit. Okay, now that's right. a forty suit. That's not a nineteen thirty suit. You know, and but those things, you know, someone's going to notice the difference, and you have to do the research. And hopefully, as an artist, you can let yourself ha- accept the challenge and have fun with it. You know. Right. Right. So basically to wrap this up, the, the way I think you put it, the amount of research you need very much based on your own project and really is determined more than anything by your story flow. Okay. Right. Make sure that you're not making major historic mistakes. If you do use some kind of, um, you know, get the year right. Okay. Of the certain event that happened or else someone's going to call you on it, you know? <laughs> yes. Little things like that, okay, which you'd be surprised how often are people do make mistakes on, okay, you know. But do do the basic research, okay, but don't let yourself get so bogged down that your story becomes a lecture. Right. Something you said just for, I'm wondering if uh, my friend Bo Smith, the creative one, or how many times at a convention he gets asked or told, I didn't know why it had a daughter. Okay. The fault demons. Well, <laughs> you know it gets brought up. You well, know, at a certain point, all that. at a certain point, he doesn't have to say, "Yes, yes, he did." Yes. <laughs> yeah, and um, and just tell people about the obscure library he found <laughs> that had these <laughs> dusty tomes in the back that were handwritten, and you know, right. And just you know, if if people are going to ask, sometimes you just have to keep keep the story going. <laughs> There and you tell go. them how you found this this incredibly lost, you know, historic documents. And now it now it can finally come to light. Just continue to embellish, huh? We're storytellers, right? Right. <laughs>
when, why do you stop? Okay. Never. <laughs> Bob, thanks so much for your time today. It's great talking to you. Appreciate it, Bill. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye.